Welcome to the Monkey House. It's me here in the year 2024. And I'm about to be in Sydney and Brisbane. Sydney from the 8th to the 12th of May. Brisbane from the 16th to the 19th of May doing my show, Drier Drier, at the respective comedy festivals in those cities. But I'm also, uh, while I'm up there, I figured I had a couple of days to kill. So I'm doing a Who Knew It With Matt Stewart on Monday the 13th of May at the Chippendale Hotel and in Brisbane at Good Chat Comedy on the 14th of May. And you can get tickets for all of that. Now, go to mattstewartcomedy.com for the links. mattstewartcomedy.com. Now, on with the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Primates, the podcast where we explore primates in popular culture from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. This week on the show, we, being me, are going to be talking about the movie Outbreak. I've just watched it in my shed, which is where I'm recording this now. I've been at home for two days straight uh, since returning from Brisbane early from the from my tour up there because, uh, well, you would know why, because uh, COVID-19 has shut everything down, basically. Uh, so a few people suggested I watch this. Uh, Dean Clark from North Carolina suggested a while ago, uh, but uh, J.D. Harker and Brian Colella uh, suggested it this week uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, Dean Clark from North Carolina, um, whenever I hear North Carolina, I think of a very fun fact. Uh, Michael Jordan, he was a basketballer, quite a good one back in the day, and he played for North Carolina in the college system and then when he graduated up to the NBA which has been cancelled because of the COVID-19 that uh, everyone seems to be talking about uh, anyway it wasn't cancelled back in Jordan's day he played but underneath his shorts for luck he wore his North Carolina college shorts which were blue under the uh, Chicago Bulls red shorts so he had to get bigger shorts changing basketball short fashion forever that's why people today are still wearing big shorts. That's a fun. That's a fun fact. It's probably the funnest fact of all. Uh, anyway, back to Outbreak. It's a movie that I just watched. I hadn't seen it before. I want to play the. Seeing as I'm, uh, don't have anyone here to talk to about it. I'm going to play you the preview clip, which I found on YouTube. So listen in. This will give you a pretty good idea about what it's all about. Helicopters are involved for sure. In a remote African jungle, a small monkey is captured. That's bad. Bound for a pet store in America. What? The animal carries a deadly virus. This isn't really how the story went down, but anyway. I don't think. Change it up a bit. Oh my god. That man just fell over. 
Now, I know that some of us have doubts about what we're about to do. We'd be less than human if we didn't. But the fate of the nation, perhaps the world, is in our hands. We cannot, we dare not refuse this burden. I'm confident that each of you will do his duty. God forgive us. Oh my gosh. Your town is being quarantined. We got 19 dead. You got 100 more infected. It's spreading like a brush fire. What are you talking about? If one of them's got it, then 10 of them have got it now. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, we have a very interesting problem. If that bug gets out of there, 260 million Americans will be dead or dying. I'm leaving with the team in an hour. From the heart of a small California town. Damn it, Sam. I want to save these people same as you. To the inner circle of power in Washington. The most optimistic projection for the spread of the virus is this. 24 hours, oh, 36 hours. That's on the map. Oh, America just gone red. The US greatest medical crisis gone. of all time. 48 we hours. can't stop it. Begins. Oh, another man fell down. Try to remain calm. Many people are dying and are going to continue to die unless More we find, find this monkey. There find this monkey. Which <laughs> we have never seen. Oh, that's the best. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, well, uh, I think that sort of uh, uh, gives you some idea of what happens, even though sort of it it makes the story seem a lot different, makes Morgan Freeman seem a lot more noble, even though he was sort of, really, he was a big part of why the so-called outbreak uh, outbroke. Uh, I found a, a synopsis a little more in depth than I would normally do, but again, I figure that's uh, worthwhile doing it this way as I'm on my lonesome. So this is from IMDb. So it's going to be a, you know, it's a few paragraphs uh, going through the whole storyline. Then I'll talk a little bit more about other things. Uh, so Mataba, a fictional virus which causes a deadly fever, is discovered in the African jungle in 1967. A very good year, year after the Saints won their premiership in the AFL, or VFL back then. Uh, to maintain the virus as a viable biological weapon, two U.S. Army officers, Donald McClintock and William Ford, destroy the camp where it was found after taking blood samples from the dying victims. So uh, McClintock and Ford, Ford's uh, Morgan Freeman, and McClintock, I believe, is Donald Sutherland, who's the... He's the proper bad, bad guy in this. And then Morgan Freeman's sort of like the bad guy who's got a heart, you know, got a heart, whereas Donald Sutherland, what do I, do I call him that? Donald Sutherland, who's Donald McClintock, he's a heartless, like, evil villain guy. Anyway, um, this, let me go back to the uh, plot summary. Sorry, my phone is going off. Let me put that on to do not disturb. This is important stuff I'm doing. Um, so, so they get these blood samples, then they they wipe out the whole village, uh, which is mainly dying uh, army types. Anyway, 28 years later, in 1995, the virus resurfaces in Zaire. Uh, Colonel Sam Daniels, a USAMRIID virologist, is sent to investigate. This now, this guy is Dustin Hoffman, uh, playing a classic Dustin Hoffman character. 
He and his crew, Lieutenant Colonel Casey Schuler, who I think is maybe Kevin Spacey. So there are a few, a lot of things are getting cancelled due to um, the virus in the real world now. So it's appropriate to watch a movie with multiple cancelled people in it as well. <laughs> so yeah, I'm thinking, so Schuler, let me just double check. So you got Schuler is Kevin Spacey. Then we've got Salt, Major Salt is Cuba Gooding Jr. You've also got Patrick Dempsey as the sort of like the idiot who, anyway, we'll probably get to him soon. So, uh, so let me go back to the start of the sentence. He and his crew, Lieutenant Colonel Casey Schuler, and new recruit Major Salt. So that's Kevin Spacey and Cuba Gooding Jr., gain information about the virus and return to the United States where Daniels asks his superior, now Brigadier General, Brigadier General William Ford, a.k.a. uh, It's good that my brain's not remembering famous people's names at the moment. Morgan Freeman. uh, He asks Ford to put out an alert. Ford knows that the virus is not new, but he tells Daniels it is unlikely to show up. Daniels' ex-wife and former crew member Roberta Keogh who is someone else who was a uh, biggish name, Rene Russo. Uh, so Rene Russo or Roberta Keogh has left USAMRIID. I wonder what that stands for. doesn't matter. To take it's some sort of, it's the USA military uh, virus people. Yeah, I think that's what it stands for. So she leaves them to take the lead role in a similar of a similar team at the United States Center for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta, Georgia, and is convinced by Daniels to recommend an alert from the CDC, but her superior balks as well. So the, uh, you're seeing the people up the top who are just trying to either not make a big deal out of it, thinking that it's not a big deal, or they're actually trying to hide it for their own dodgy reasons. Meanwhile, we learn that the virus arrived via a host animal, a white-headed capuchin monkey that was smuggled into the United States. James Jimbo Scott, an employee at the Biotest Animal Holding Facility, bribed a security guard and took the monkey to Cedar Creek, California to sell on the black market. The black market being a pet store. <laughs> uh, during, which, yeah. uh, during the drive, Jimbo was infected with the virus when the monkey spits into his mouth, uh, or that they describe it as through facial contact with the monkey's saliva. Pretty yuck. Okay, so I mean, this is this is the monkey that I guess is the whole reason why we're talking about it on this show. Uh, the monkey is played, I believe, by the same monkey who was in Friends. Um, in this film, the monkey's called Betsy. So... Let me see if I can... I don't know if I've got it here, but yeah, I'm sure it doesn't seem to be... I'm sure it's the same monkey from Friends. And that's why they did it in Friends. They did a spoof episode of Outbreak with the same monkey because it was the monkey that played Marcel or one of the monkeys that played Marcel in Friends. Anyway, fun little side note there. Uh, Jimbo unsuccessfully tries to sell the monkey to a crooked pet store owner, Rudy Alvarez, before parting ways. 
However, the monkey scratches Alvarez and infects him, and shares a banana with another monkey already in the store, infecting that monkey as well. Not able to care for the monkey, Jimbo releases it into the woods, which seems seems pretty smart. This is a, he goes on to be Dr. Dreamy in uh, a show that I've never seen but seen so many ads for. I can't remember what it was called. Not Chicago Hope, but one of those kind of uh, like uh, love drama medical hospital shows. Jimbo starts to show signs of infection while flying to Boston, where he gets off the plane. And get this, this is maybe the wildest thing in the whole movie. He's looking like he's dying. He's sweating, he's red. And then his girlfriend, who greets him at the airport, says, Hey, what's wrong? You look awful. And then they just like dramatically tongue pash. They have the biggest... They're licking each other's mouths. It was, a, it felt reckless to me. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe that's because I'm in the stage of no handshaking, no touching your face. But, yeah, he looks sick. Why are you kissing him? They describe it as, uh, in the synopsis here, and kisses his girlfriend, Alice. It wasn't a kiss. It was more than that. It wasn't a little peck. This was a, it was a full-on kiss. Uh yeah, all right. Maybe it was just a normal kiss. Uh, infecting her as well, just before collapsing. So he's about to collapse, and they have this passionate French kiss, as they used to call it. They both hospitalized. Keo investigates the infections, but finds that no one other than Jimbo, his girlfriend, or Rudy, all three of whom die of hemorrhagic fever in the Boston area, was infected. Well, that, oh, I did not nail that sentence. Let me try it again. Keo investigates the infections, but finds that no one other than Jimbo, his girlfriend or Rudy, all three of whom die of hemorrhagic fever in the Boston area, was infected. All oh, right, so they're the only three who've got it. Meanwhile, the technicians at the Cedar Creek Hospital runs tests on Rudy's blood. But Henry, one of the technicians, accidentally breaks a vial. That was a weird moment. He had in there what, that spinning machine that they put blood things in, and he put his hand into it while he was distracted by listening to baseball or something, and it just explodes all over his face into his mouth and eyes. Mmm, blood. Uh, the virus mutates into a new strain capable of spreading like flu. So now all of a sudden, it's they make it pretty clear early on that it it's it can't it's not an airborne infection, or but it becomes airborne as it mutates. Uh, and numerous Cedar Creek citizens are exposed to Motaba at the theater. Oh, that scene was wild. So there's this guy who's clearly dying in the theater. Apparently it happens really quick, so maybe he felt fine going in. And then he's uh, they show him coughing, and then they like slow-mo zoom in on the, on the spittle that he coughed out and, and sort of track it around the room into people's faces. And then he gets up. And he's like, I need water. And he goes out and he coughs on everyone as he leaves and uh, then collapses. Yeah. Uh, I'd say pretty selfish, actually. Uh. Daniels learns of the infection and flies to Cedar Creek alongside Shuler and Salt against Ford's orders, rejoining or joining Keo's team. As Daniels and his team begin to search for the host animal, a state of martial law is declared in Cedar Creek, and the U.S. Army has quarantined the town to contain the outbreak, including preventing an attempt by civilians from breaking quarantine. During their research, Shula is infected when his suit 
Tears. So this is Kevin Spacey. And he, uh, yeah, he doesn't tell anyone. He basically becomes the character in the zombie films who's been bitten but hides the wound. Uh, it's He plays that exactly the same. Even though he knows better than anyone that he's about to go down. It's, um, yeah, again, weird sort of behavior. But, you know, Kevin Spacey, allegedly a bad person. Uh, this is acting, of course. Keo follows after she accidentally stabs herself with a contaminated needle while collecting samples due to Shula suddenly convulsing. A mystery serum, E1101, is introduced to those suffering from Metaba. Daniel soon realizes that the serum is not experimental, but was de- designed to cure Metaba, and that Ford knew about the virus beforehand. However, the serum does not help the residents of Cedar Creek who are infected by a mutated strain. Daniels confronts Ford, who admits that he withheld information on the virus due to national security and Mataba's potential to be turned into a biological weapon. Pretty good reason to let people die. Oh, we wanted to keep it as a weapon for us. Daniels learns uh, learns from Ford of Operation Clean Sweep, a plan by the military to bomb the town of Cedar Creek. With approval from the President of the United States. Now, Major Gen... So, yeah, there's a, a short scene which you heard in the, uh, the, the preview clip just before that they tell the President that if, it, if they don't contain it, they don't blow up this town, uh, then it'll spread and kill all of America in 48 hours. And the President... I think it was the President. He throws a little booklet on the table. He said, that's... That's actually something I've read all of. It's called the Constitution, okay? Have you all read it? Because it actually says we shouldn't kill our citizens, okay? So, um, unless you've got a pretty good reason for us to kill a town of our citizens, I don't know if we should kill our, a town of our citizens. And they say, we've got a pretty good reason because everyone dies if you don't. And he's like, all right, let's let's kill them citizens. And uh, that so that becomes the plan. They're going to blow up this town. Uh which is the Operation Clean Sweep. Uh, To prevent Daniels from finding a cure, McClintock has him arrested by implicating Daniels as a viral carrier, which he's not, but that's okay. This leads Daniels and Salt to search for the host animal to save the town by escaping custody by helicopter. They trick a guy, they go. The guy watching the helicopter goes, the pilot's just having a piss, and they go, why don't you go help him? And then he goes... And then they steal the helicopter. Pretty cool. After the animal holding facility, uh, who had been aiding Daniels by tracking down how the host animal got out of the country, learns what happened from the security guard about what Jimbo did. Jeez, it's a long sentence. The two are at, well, it's still going. The two are able to track down the ship that carried the host animal, and Daniels obtains a picture of Betsy and broadcasts it on the news. Yeah, so Salt and Daniels uh, go in with a gun to a news a local news station and then they go straight on air uh, and tell them about the monkey. Has anyone seen this monkey? We've got to stop this monkey. Mrs. Jeffries realizes that this is the animal her daughter Kate is playing with in her backyard. She can tell that because she looks at a, pic- a hand-drawn picture her daughter did on, on the fridge which shows what looks kind of like a monkey playing with a what looks like a girl, which is her daughter. Uh, so she's, she knows straight away, hey, 
I know a child's drawing of a monkey when I see it. Now that is obviously the same monkey. Which was true. So I'm not, it sounds like I'm making fun, but I'm not. That was, she was right to think that. She calls the station and the two men arrive at the family's house. Uh, Though Colonel Briggs intercepts the call and informs McClintock of Daniel's and Salt's location, who heads out to intercept them by helicopter. Kate coaxes out Betsy, the monkey, whom Salt tranquilizes in another tense scene. The girl was sort of blocking the shot. Get out of the way, girl! Uh, Learning from Daniels that the host animal is captured, Ford delays the bombing. A bit of luck there. Flying back, final paragraph here, flying back, Daniels and Salt are confronted by McClintock, who tries to force them to head to their local Air Force base, only for Daniels to refuse. While McClintock's helicopter chases theirs, Daniels has Salt fire two rockets into the trees to trick McClintock into thinking they'd crashed, which was smart. It worked for a little while. Um, And then they flew below the radar to get out of there. Returning to Cedar Creek, Salt mixes Betsy's antibodies with the E1101 to create an anti-serum in time to save Keo, but not Shula. So that means... Yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember that. But anyway, Kevin Spacey died, whereas uh, Rene Russo survived. I feel like Rene Russo was in another movie we did. Maybe, uh, maybe Congo. Maybe she was big in the nineties, apparently. Uh, so yeah, Shula has already succumbed to the virus. McClintock arrives back at base and has Operation Clean Sweep resumed, refusing to listen to Ford, who now wishes to call off the bombing. Daniels discovers this and realises that McClintock will not uh, call off the bombing. He, he's, he's a real bad guy, this McClintock. He just loves, loves bombing stuff. He and Salt take it upon themselves to fly in the way of the bomber, commanded by a pilot with the call sign of Sandman 1. Sandman 1. Sleepy sort of name. Uh, With support from Ford, Daniels is able to stay in the way of the plane long enough to convince Sandman 1 and his co-pilot that the information was purposely withheld from them and that they can now cure the remaining townsfolk. Heeding Daniels' warning, Sandman 1, Sandman, deliberately detonates the bomb over the water instead of the town, uh, probably killing multiple whales. They don't go into that, but I imagine a bunch of whales probably died from that bombing. Uh, anyway, so he bombed it over the water. The town survives. Before McClintock can order another bombing, Ford, having had enough of McClintock's single-minded obsession, relieves McClintock of his command and places him under arrest for deliberately withholding information from the president. Though while being taken away by Colonel Briggs... Briggs, geez, McClintock and Briggs have a weird relationship. Uh, Briggs is like a, some pretty high up guy, but he's not quite McClintock high. And McClintock goes, him, do you want to make general one day, Briggs? And Briggs said, yes, sir. And, he's, and then McClintock said, well, you're never gonna. He was real mean to him. Anyway, McClintock promises he'll take down Ford with him. Daniels and Keo reconcile. And the remaining residents of the town are successfully cured. The end. What a film. It was it was fine. I think it was... I mean, it was... Yeah, it was fine. I liked it somewhat. 
but not really, to be honest. I'll give you a score later. Here's someone else. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is from The Guardian, and they, they like it. They call it their guilty pleasure. This is written by... I don't know. It's written by the... Maybe it's written just by the paper. No, it's written by Becky Barnacote. My guilty pleasure outbreak. Spread the word. Wolfgang Peterson's brilliantly terrifying film about a deadly virus coughs up a cast to die for. Whoa. And that's just like the sub-headline. So we're off and away here. Um, imagine how much scarier Jaws would be if Jaws could fly. Whoa. Think of it. If you're imagining that at home, um, they, she's not even done yet. Because that is scary in itself. Imagine a flying Jaws. But as on top of that, was invincible. And if he multiplied at an alarming rate and spread all over America, killing every single American, and then set his sights on the rest of the world, it would be incredibly scary. And what's more, you don't have to imagine. This brilliant, terrifying film was released in 1995. And I've seen it about 20 times since. My commitment is testament to the genius of Outbreak. Or, quote, the jaws of the 90s, quote. As director Wolfgang Peterson called it. He called his own film the jaws of the 90s. Love that. Outbreak is the story of the fictional Mataba virus. Which is like Ebola, only so much worse. Caps on so much worse. First you get pale lips. Well, this is something that the synopsis didn't talk about. You get, yeah, it makes you look real gross before it kills you. It's actually pretty. It's a real cruel way to go. First, you get pale lips, red rimmed eyes, and a sweaty face, which represent horrible flu-like symptoms. Within a few hours, you are stumbling around coughing. Then you go into convulsions. Then your orifices begin to bleed, and bruises appear all over you as the virus liquefies your insides. All caps. Then you die. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a brutal one. I would say one of the worst. Uh, one of the one of the worst flus that you can get. To sum up the plot briefly, even though I just did it longly, I'm going to read it anyway. Dustin Hoffman plays an army epidemiologist who gets called to Africa to investigate an outbreak of a mysterious and deadly hemorrhagic, damn it, fever. Returning to the U.S., he warns his boss Morgan Freeman and Donald Sullivan, Donald Sutherland that this is the worst virus he's ever seen. But Freeman and Sutherland are covering up a secret. The US military created the Mataba virus as a biological weapon and want to protect it. And so the virus spreads to America via a little smuggled monkey. A sequence of hapless characters contract Mataba along the way, dying horrible deaths and infecting their loved ones. Eventually the virus goes airborne in a small California town called Cedar Creek. Hoffman is determined to search for the host and find a cure. Freeman and Sutherland want to firebomb Cedar Creek to put this whole messy business behind them. 
The film becomes a race against two ticking time bombs. So what makes it great? There's a preposterously stellar cast. It is a a huge cast of big names. Hoffman, Freeman, Sutherland, Rene Russo, Kevin Spacey, Cuba Gooding Jr. It's the sort of megabucks billing which would normally suggest a turkey. I think 2011's New Year's Eve. But everyone pulls a great performance here. Hoffman is the brow-beaten hero with integrity. Freeman, the compromised official with a good heart. Sutherland, the evil official with evil eyebrows. <laughs> Kevin Spacey plays Hoffman's Saki colleague. And we know immediately he's going to die because he's the sort of person who listens to his Walkman too loud while eating cereal bars. And those are the disaster rule, uh, disaster film rules. In Steven Soderbergh's similar but inferior film, Contagion, although some people have said uh, to me on Twitter recently that that's a better film, so I don't know if I have the stomach to watch another one, but maybe I will, especially if there's monkeys in it. Anyway, in Contagion, people die fast and clean. Outbreak's deaths are as dramatic and disgusting as possible. All the victims stagger, stagger about, reaching up with their postule-covered hands, crying for mercy. When Kevin Spacey's character is lying in hospital, dying and terrified, his grey skin covered in purple lesions, he cries tears of blood. I miss that. Tears of blood leaking out of Kevin Spacey's liquefying body. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, what a line. What a great paragraph there from Becky Barnacote. That's what I'm talking about. She loves seeing Kevin Spacey's blood tears out of his liquefying body. This was written in 2014, before... Uh, before he stopped being a Hollywood star. Uh, Peterson does everything possible to ramp up the tension at all times. Acronyms of medical facilities rattle across the screen. Yeah, which that synopsis really uh, went into without explaining any of them. I, I think I just missed them in the show, but yeah. Anyway, the music is positively Wagne- a Vag- Wagnerian, Wagnerian, with the, an occasional African drum interlude. There's a helicopter chase, a bombing, a scene where Hoffman jumps off a helicopter onto a ship. I miss that as well. Jesus, I'm not paying much attention. There are tracking shots all the time. They, geez, they love tracking shots. Including the legendary tracking shots of a coughed up glob of contaminated saliva flying into a stranger's mouth. Ugh. Every time someone coughs near you in public space, you'll think about that scene. That's the thing about Outbreak. For all its silliness, it's genuinely chilling. As Cedar Creek falls, the army orders people to hang white sheets outside their homes if they feel ill. The camera tracks down empty streets, pieces of white material fluttering outside every house in the evening sun. Uh, Guinea, so this is, like I said, this is a six-year-old article, but anyway. Guinea is currently facing an unprecedented Ebola outbreak, with 78 deaths from 122 cases since January. The EU has pledged half a million euros to try and stop the virus reaching the capital. Senegal has shut its borders. Outbreak remains terrifying because it could come true. Except that when it does, I don't think Dustin Hoffman is going to be able to save the day. Yes. So obviously, the one we got right now is nowhere near as brutal, but it is super contagious, I believe. I should say I'm not a Dustin Hoffman level virologist. But, yeah, I think this this one feels like it's equally contagious. It's just people don't liquefy within a few hours. 
that's the major difference. You can recover from it, hopefully. But there's a, I know it's all more complicated than that, and uh, I'm not the person to be talking about it. Anyway, it was a, it was an all right film. Jeez, they really liked it, though, Becky Barnacote. Uh, I don't know if the last six years it's aged a little bit worse, but some parts of it were all right. Some parts of it were pretty ridiculous. Uh, let's see what it's got on the splatometer on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. 60%. So they that's not a splat. Uh, audience give it 56%. Yeah, it's a it's sort of a bare pass. Let's see what some of these review synopsis have said. Uh, this is from Empire Magazine. Peterson pulls out the thrills and at a stomach lurching pace and with its requisite Hollywood ham. Yeah, there's ham. I guess the ham I should have just I should have been going with it. Uh, Hollywood Reporter says Peterson's vigilant enlivening direction never allows the story's death of mankind topic to undermine its personal powers. Definitely mixing in humour as well as other tonal lightness to nurture it. It's true. Uh, Associated Press said, Outbreak will keep you on the edge of your seat, and every time someone sneezes or coughs in the audience, you'll pay attention. Yeah, I don't know where that's happening now. I The flight home from Brisbane the other night, uh, just you could see how much people were trying to hold in like any sort of just sore, sore throat symptoms or... Um, yeah. Not that anyone, anyone seemed particularly sick, but, you know, people obviously didn't want to look like they were. The only splat on this page is from Entertainment Weekly, saying, The irony is that Outbreak, for all its lurid finesse, ends up leaving us more dazed than terrified. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't... Even in the current climate, I wasn't finding it that scary for some reason. Maybe I'm numb to it. But, yeah, others seem to think it was very scary... Something that we haven't talked about is the poster, which is wild. Uh, Alexi Teleopoulos from Total Reboot Podcast posted it a little while ago, saying he thinks about it all the time. It is, it looks like, it's, I'm surprised that it is the real poster, but I'll, I'll put it out on the social medias. It is a wild picture. Looks like it was done in Microsoft Paint. You've got uh, Hoffman, Rene Russo, and Morgan Freeman, sort of heads one on top of each other on the far left. The rest is sort of like, it's black that fades into a red across from left to right. The words outbreak written in yellow. And then the bottom third centered towards the right-hand side of the poster is just a square cutout of the capuchin monkey's head, mouth agape, sort of looking at Freeman. It's it's wild. It looks like it, you know, like a uh, someone would have made it for a high school movie or something. Anyway, love that. Uh, anything else you want me to tell you about this film? I I think it did quite well at the box office. I think it was quite a hit. Let me see if I can find that here. Uh, opening weekend, thirteen million. Oh, it spent three weeks at number one. Before Tommy Boy's release, that's fun. Tommy Boy, the David Spade and Chris Farley movie. I, I didn't realize Tommy Boy was such a big hit. Um, so Tommy Boy knocked it off the top of the charts. But the film, it grossed $67 million domestically, $122 million internationally. It was a commercial success. Uh, 
That's budget of so according to Wiki anyway, budget of fifty million, box office of just shy of one hundred and ninety million. So I'd say that is a pretty that's a pretty clear hit. Awards New York Film Critics Circle Awards Kevin Spacey for Best Supporting Actor and Society of Texas Film Critics Awards Best Supporting Actor also won by Kevin Spacey who had a big year by the looks of it also potentially in seven and the usual suspects that year. Big year for Spacey. Uh, okay, so... Yeah. Um, should I give you my rating, my banana score? We normally give it a score out of uh, however big the bunch is. I normally do my bunches at seven. I'd say this is like a three out of seven sort of movie. So it was pretty good. Probably depending on the day, you maybe be a little bit higher, or a little bit lower than that. I'm kind of regretting not just watching it for the fun of it. Because um, it was, you know, the silliness and stuff. Which I guess I was sort of at parts. I mean... Yeah. Anyway, three. Let's give it a three and a half. It's a perfectly half good film. Um, the we also normally talk about how much of ourselves we see in the on-screen primate. Uh, in this case, there was a couple. There was the second one. The, a lot of a lot of cages in this. I mean, usually you can sort of almost pretend that uh, the animals aren't cruelly being made to act in a film. Uh, but this one, even on camera, they're in cages, so uh, it's a lot harder to ignore. I'd say, how much do I relate to Patient Zero in a, or the, what do they call it? The Carrier. Do they call it the Carrier? Basically, the Patient Zero of this this uh, outbreak. Um, I'd say I relate quite a lot to that. I feel like, I feel like I... Um, I, no, that's not true. I'd be dead. I'd die straight away, like everyone else. Yeah, I don't really... The science of that is fascinating, that that monkey was holding two different versions of the same virus, and it didn't affect him. And that's what gave it whatever the title was, the carrier or something like that. Anyway, let's say 69%. Uh, we normally thank a few patrons. You can support this show at patreon.com slash pod. You support this show as well as the Do Go On podcast, which this week was about a mystery that um, you're probably going better off going in without knowing anything about it. I didn't, and um, I enjoyed it that way. I had no idea where it was going. So if you like a, a mystery, Jess tells it uh, really well and um, had me on the edge of my seat and already seen listeners saying the same thing. You've heard it already. Uh, and also Listen Now, which is a podcast about music. You can listen to the whole back catalogue, 19 episodes from season one, about Cold Chisel, what great self-isolating listening that would make. You can get through a whole band's back catalogue as well as listen to us review it as we go. Uh, They're they're an Aussie, legendary Aussie rock band, Cold Chisel. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a, it was a real fun project for me to go through. I'd love uh, more people to hear it. And uh, Dave's book cheat, which comes out fortnightly, and he reads a classic book, so you don't have to. Another highly recommended podcast. Um, but you can, yeah, support these shows at patreon.com slash pod. I should say, I didn't mention it before, I've been plugging my live shows incessantly over the last few months, and they've basically all been cancelled. Melbourne Comedy Festival. I got through Brisbane, which was great. Thanks so much to the people who came out there. It was so cool to meet some listeners. 
but Melbourne's cancelled. Sydney's just been announced that it is cancelled as well. And uh, Edinburgh, no news as yet, but I'd say, well, I'm not holding my breath, but who knows? Ho- hopefully. Hopefully it all just figures itself out before then. Um, but with that in mind, uh, Patreon's a great way to... Uh, you can c- keep us running on there. By you, you pay a subscription, basically, and you get you get stuff back for it, which you can't do with the live shows for the foreseeable future. But if you subscribe, I think for uh, the ten dollar a month thing, there you get two bonus episodes per month, um, and a bunch of other things like helping pick uh, topics and that sort of stuff. But you also get. Uh, a shout out on this show if you're i think the five bucks or above you get a shout out and you get to give me your favorite primate or any sort of primate fact you like uh so here this week i'd love to thank a few of those patreons uh, including amy rainford who writes my favorite primate is the capuchin monkey well very appropriate to, for this episode. Uh, sorry that it was also the thing that almost killed humanity. Or maybe it should. Maybe maybe humans are actually the real animals. Whatever they say. Native to Central America and South America, they are known to poke each other in the eye to form bonds within the family unit. Don't touch each other's faces in the current climate. Females will throw, females will throw rocks at males uh, they like. And Ross from Friends had a capuchin, which was the same capuchin as the Outbreak Capuchin, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Who didn't love Marcel, who was played by a female named Katie? I think it was Katie. Let me see if we can find this out. How handy is the timing of that, Amy Rainford? Uh, Katie. Katie. Capu. This is good podcasting. I'm trying to keep my note editing rule going because i want to get i'm already late on this week's episode i want to get it straight out katie capuchin monkey outbreak all right let's come up with a wikipedia page called list of individual monkeys which is confusing Okay, it's saying oh, it's saying on this, Binks played Betsy in the 1995 movie Outbreak. Potentially there were more than one, because then it says Katie played Marcel. So maybe I've just, I misremembered that, potentially. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Amy, for your support and your message. Scott Coventry writes... If Evan gets to have a human, then fine. All right, so Evan's the regular second banana of the show, if you haven't tuned in before. He hasn't been on for a while, but he uh, he loves Andy from Toy Story. It's his favorite, uh, favorite primate. So Scott writes, If Evan gets to have a human, then fine. My favorite primate is a Neanderthal. They are also related to primates and would kill and eat Andy's skinny little legs. <laughs> True. I think Neanderthal's a, a much better suggestion than than Andy from Toy Story. The Neanderthal is a non-human primate. No doubt about that, Scott. You've got him with a nice little loophole. Uh, Lent, this name's going to trip me up. It's about L-E-N-E and then H-O with a cross through it. Y-N-E-S. don't know what the O with a cross through it does to the, an O. I'm going to say Lenny Hoynes. Uh, Lenny writes... 
I think my favourite primate is the squirrel monkey because of Pippi Longstocking's monkey, Her Nilsson. Very cute. I remember watching a probably like a 90s version of Pippi Longstocking as a kid and it being a real fun adventure. But I haven't... I know it's a whole lot of books and and movies through like... I think maybe maybe movies dating back centuries. Obviously joking there. But they go back a fairly long time. Maybe even three, four hundred years back. Thanks for the suggestion, Lenny. Very good. And Lewis Gemmel writes, Here's a fun primate-related fact. In 2016 in Kenya, a vervet monkey fell into a transformer in a power station, causing the entire country to lose power. It took several hours to fully restore power, but uh, but fortunately the monkey was unharmed. What? The monkey was unharmed. Jeez, I was about to read that. Um, I was about to assume the end there and say, unfortunately, the the monkey was killed. But un- but fortunately, the monkey was unharmed. That's wild. Lewis, how does the monkey shut down power but not get hurt? Maybe much like the outbreak monkey, um, it can it can take electricity, uh, but, you know, like it, it's a it's a patient zero. It's the whole. What is it called? The holder. The carrier. Damn it! I wish I could remember what that term was. That's going to be making the scientists listening to this very upset. I apologise to you very much. Hey, so we're on the home stretch of this show. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it up to a hundred episodes, I think, and then go on a bit of a hiatus, which I talked about last week. I got a new show idea called Who Knew It with Matt Stewart where it's going to be fact-based about broad different topics and stuff. If you uh, support us on Patreon, the last uh, Patreon bonus episode was actually the pilot episode for it, where I did an episode about Spain with Jess and Dave from Do Go On, which is a lot of fun. Um, So, yeah, if you want to check that out, please do. But um, I also, I put up a a vote, a poll. So if you go to the uh, follow us on social media, primates pod and that's on twitter and facebook and instagram but i put the poll up on facebook and instagram i'll put it in the show notes as well so you can vote for the um show the topics you wanted us to cover in the final few months until we have a a break um yeah but i'm looking forward to doing that so let us know what you think uh if you want to give us a review do that wherever you can do it. I think at least on iTunes, but probably elsewhere as well. Let me read out some, assuming there's any new ones in here. Uh, okay, yep, there's a few since I last read them out. This one is from Pierce. Uh, they write, good, but cost me thousands. What? Five stars. This is one of my favorite podcasts. However, the host, Matthew Mad Monkey Stewart, has not been doing his due diligence in checking his social media DMs. I'm pretty bad at th- at that. Sorry, some of the the social media dams they sort of just they hit they're in a different spot. So I I've, I don't they're not obviously filled. They're not I can't tell when there's stuff in there. I have to check. I have to purposely look. It's hard. I'm sorry, Pierce. Mad, but you called me Mad Monkey. Uh, I love it. He goes on to say, in September of 2019, I DM'd him a video on Instagram that I thought he would be interested in. When he didn't reply, 
I did the only logical thing and flew from Vancouver, BC. I remember this guy to Melbourne to show him in person. He came to my uh, Melbourne Fringe show. At this time, I'm sure he told me a better way to get in touch. Yeah, I would have said, I would have said probably D, just DM me, but you already knew that wasn't wasn't uh, the way to go. But I've since forgotten. I attempted to DM him a second time recently and I've yet to get a reply. All right, I'll check the bloody DMs. So I'm once again saving money to get back down there. Overall, a quality pod. Definitely in my top two podcasts that have spun off from Do Gone. Oh, that's very nice. I assume you're putting it up there with Listen Now. They are two very good ones. But you should also give Book Cheat a try, another good podcast as well by Dave. Um, thank you, Pierce. Uh, Cad Pat writes, help, five stars. I love I love a help message in a in the form of a review. I'm quickly running out of podcasts to listen to. Do you know of anything that's not Sans Pants or Planet Broadcasting aside from that? This podcast is great and silly and features a man who doesn't get the point of it and his favourite primate is Andy from Toy Story. This is a dumb choice. I'd suggest something that goes along with the theme of the show, like the ringtail lemur, who is very cute. Cad Pat, you get it. I apologise that Evan doesn't, but, you know, he's he's given it a try. Uh, I'll get him back on soon and see if he's changed his tune. In terms of podcast tips, let's have a look at what I've been listening to lately. Um, what about... I listen to this podcast a little bit called Jokes. Jokes with Mark Simmons. And he's an English comedian, like a one-liner comic. And he has a guest on each week. And they go through jokes of theirs that don't work and try and fix them. It's kind of fun. Uh, what else do we listen to? Song Exploder is a good one where they break down a song. So they get the, the musician, the songwriter um, on and they talk through where the song came from and down to like the instrumentation and everything and often have the um, some demo tracks and um, isolate the different instruments and that sort of stuff. It's a pretty interesting one to listen to as well. Uh, just started listening to Off Menu which is a podcast with Ed Gamble and James Acaster from England where they sort of, it's like they're in a, a fake restaurant and the guest gets to choose their perfect three-course meal, which is pretty cool. Um, they're all very good. Most of the podcasts I listen to, though, generally are Sans Pants and even more Planet Broadcasting, but it sounds like you don't need tips on those. The one I listen to the most is probably... Don't You Know Who I Am with Josh Earl, which is real good. Another one I listen to a little bit of is uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Like, he needs a plug. But, yeah, this week he had Will Arnett on it, which is pretty good. Um, yes, so many podcasts looking through my list here. Dan Connell, Aussie comedian, has a, a chat sort of interview podcast called Taking It Easy with Dan Con- Daniel Connell. Very good as well. Uh, it's had guests from the Planet Broadcasting Network network on there. I'm sure Jess has been on there before and Nick Mason as well and others. So that's another good one. Lots of good ones. I was on this one called Beg to Differ a little while ago, which was pretty fun to do. It was, we talked about unpopular opinions. That was via, via Skype. So I haven't had the guts to listen back to it, but that is a... Another good podcast as well. All right, that's t- that's probably too many recommendations, but 
Give them all a bloody go. Uh, thank you for that review, Cadpat. Uh, are there any other ones here that we haven't gone through before? This one says, sorry in advance. That's got my attention. I'm sorry in advance, five stars. Hey, Matt and Second Banana Evan. Sorry, uh, Evan's not here, but I'll pass that on. I reviewed the show before, but that was before Matt started reading these. I have a submission for Best Primate, Miguel from Coco. He's also a human from a Pixar film, but I'd venture to say a far superior character in every way. His dog also dies during the movie, so Evan should like that. Lastly, Blow is a fun tongue twister. I slit a sheet, a sheet I slit, and on a slitted sheet I sit. I slit a sheet, a sheet I slit. The sheet I slit, that sheet was it. Well, that is fun. That is a fun tongue twister. I can't argue with that. I probably should have read that one out when Evan was in so that he could have taken that Coco advice on board. I saw that film uh, last year at at an airport on the way home from probably from England, I guess. And it was pretty good. I saw the last, last half of it anyway. All right, thanks for those reviews. Um, keep coming in and I'll keep reading them out. Uh, but that pretty much brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry there were no guests in. Uh, I wasn't even meant to be back in Melbourne yet. I've flown home early and just didn't have a chance to organise anyone. And I also don't know how much people want to be um, coming out for frivolous things such as podcasts. But uh, I'll try and be a bit more organised in coming weeks. Let us know what the topics you want me to uh, cover in the last couple of months. And I'll start locking in some uh, healthy guests, and we will uh, we will sit at least a meter and a half from each other, wearing face masks um, to do the show. Hopefully, everyone's well uh, where you dwell. And yeah, it's been been nice to catch up. And sorry, this is a bit of a clumsy episode, but hopefully, it was okay enough to listen to. And uh, yeah, I've got to i got to go talk to someone. i got to phone someone and just hear someone else's voice for a little while. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. And as we always say here on Primates Podcast, Outbreak, Monkey, get away from me because you've got, you got bad stuff in you. Laters! This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.